Saturday Night Live with Dave Chappelle is over, but we are just getting started here on Saturday Night Live, live, the post-show recap. And now here are the two guys who are promising you a heater that's going to break the internet. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here is Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? I'm excellent. I'm excellent, Rob. That might be because I just saw a little Magnum PI, so I now have a quarter chub. Yes. Wow. Good uh, Good for you, Rich. And a lot to talk about here on a Saturday Night Live that oh, yeah. Dave Chappelle hosted. Uh, Tribe Called Quest is the musical guest. I will speak with James Keast later on to get his take on the return of Tribe Called Quest. But Rich, uh, this is really we're talking about a SNL that a week ago we did not think that we would be talking about this specific episode uh, where we last left off. We talked about at the end of the last show, like, hey, well, just, let's just, you know, devil's advocate. Let's just talk about like, what, what happens if Trump does win? Uh, what are we doing right. with Alec Baldwin? Like, we're like, well, uh, he's like, boy, nobody's really thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. And interesting that news broke early that Alec Baldwin had mentioned in an interview that he would not do Trump this week. Um, you know, he obviously a staunch Democrat, I think, as we saw at the end of last week's cold open, very unabashed about his, uh, you know, support of uh, Hillary. And so he decided to take off. So, you know, a question that we're going to talk about going forward is clearly Alec Baldwin is not going to become a uh, cast member for the next four years. So what does SNL? do but this week they decided to sort of step away from trump completely and uh, and and not not even address it yeah so a lot of stuff to get through obviously a lot of emotions very emotionally charged times uh, in our country so we will do our best to you know talk about what we're here to talk about which is saturday night live but of course saturday night live is dealing with uh, a lot of very charged things happening uh, in the country right now. So, of course, uh, you know, that's going to be probably a little bit different than our normal coverage of this show. Rich, just going back to the stuff with Alec Baldwin, do you know, did had Alec Baldwin had a scheduling conflict no matter what for this week, or he was very upset about Trump winning and that's why he didn't want to do Trump this week? You know, I didn't read anything specific. The tone of what I read implied that he needed to take a breather. He needed to sort of take a knee on this one. Um, but I don't know that it was specifically spelled out. Maybe other people in the chat room know, but I, I think he just needed to take a break. That'd be interesting to find that out because I could certainly I like if yeah. Trump lost, you would feel like that he would be very excited to like take like a victory lap as yes. defeated Trump. So yes. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see uh, about all that. So. I guess then let's get into this cold open, which starts off uh, the show. Kate McKinnon playing the Leonard Cohen who passed away uh, this week. Hallelujah on the piano. First off, is that her really playing the piano? It looked like it. Yeah, it looked like that was her playing within the band backing her towards the end. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, she's not the strongest singer, but uh, but very touching. This was an interesting one for me because I even started out thinking, OK, she's dressed, I think, like Hillary. I mean, clearly that's not Kate McKinnon by it. You know, it's not like Cecily Strong speaking in in uh, in French, you know, during after the Paris, the Paris attacks. This clearly seemed like she was doing a character, but she was not singing the song as a you know as a character she seemed to just be singing as leslie uh, i'm sorry as as kate mckinnon not, not as hillary uh hillary clinton so so an odd i mean i think it was it was an interesting choice i didn't totally know sort of was i supposed to believe that this was hillary was this the show um but i did think it was an excellent idea in that Americans and so many SNL fans were so upset by the results of the week. But then you have to assume that a large percentage of SNL fans, maybe 50 percent, were actually happy with the results. So to take too uh, conciliatory of a tone was maybe speaking against a large portion of the fans. So this was just an interesting I felt it was a nice way to sort of kind of hit the reset button, kind of do a little bit of closure uh, and and sort of move on without getting too maudlin or too. Uh, mean spirited. Rich, I had very mixed emotions about the way that SNL handled this because I really expected SNL. Of course, you know, it's a tough spot. Obviously, the country is very divided right now. But, you know, SNL has always represented itself to be 
a comedy show and a nonpartisan one at that. And this, while I thought the segment was beautiful and, uh, you know, very earnest, and I did not feel like that this was supposed to be Hillary Clinton, you know, Kate McKinnon was in Hillary Clinton costume, but I felt like that that was more for plausible deniability. And I really felt like that this was the show and, you know, Kate McKinnon, especially saying these things. And now while I could certainly understand the, you know, the, the opinion and the sentiment that she's expressing, which is shared by many people, I felt like that this was out of character for the show to handle this way. To me, I felt like that this was sort of the same tone as the first show after 9-11 or the show following the Paris attacks from a year ago this week that you mentioned. So I thought that this was a curious way for SNL to go. And just, you know, w- what I'm saying is, you know, it, it's it's very nuanced. Right. I, I totally understand why people feel this way, but I thought that as a nonpartisan show, I felt like that this was a odd decision to go with. No, I hear you. And I would say that I think that's sort of the theme that we're going to sort of lead into, which is this was a very non-traditional show. I would say mostly to great effect. I I really liked this episode. There was a lot to like, but it was very non-traditional, you know, to to do a non-humorous opening over something that was not a sort of black and white tragedy. The monologue was a little atypical. We had a, an intro to a pre-tape, which you never do. Lauren Michaels was in a pre-tape. A lot of very interesting things about this episode. Uh, so I agree. I, I, it did have, a, as I said earlier, to your point, a, a weird vibe in that it's, you know, that, you know, it, half the country does not consider a, this a tragedy and it had the feeling of eulogizing a, tra- a, a tragedy. Uh, Scott in the chat room, our Scott St. Pierre was saying that this was also a tribute to Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. I do think that there was some truth to that, although, um, you know, SNL would not do a tribute to a, 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 you know, deceased songwriter in the cold open unless there was something bigger to it. Yeah. Um, so, Interesting. And I would also say, I also imagine, you know, remembering that these people are humans, whether you agree with the politics of the SNL, you know, team or not, you know, they all felt very strongly one way and they, you know, had a show to write. And it's interesting that, you know, normally Tuesday night, they would have been writing the show. They probably like the rest of the country were watching the uh, returns. And then Wednesday, while uh, while a lot of Democrats and liberals were sort of in shock, this team had a show to write and, and to write it in record time. So I thought it was an interesting interesting way maybe even for themselves to say I just don't have enough gas in the chamber to write a Hillary concession cold open and we almost like we're doing this for us not for them and if that were the case I would certainly give them the pass on it but that being said Rich that how does this show open a sketch comedy show in this way with almost like this funeral tone And you had this man host the show a year ago. Well, that is the piece that I think, uh, you know, that is going to be the dirty thing about, you know, that SNL cannot sort of get around. And I think a lot of people really, uh, you know, a lot of people on the show with no power in the booking really sort of, uh, I think, struggle to defend the show when that is brought up. Clearly, it was not their choice. And I think that they uh, are really regret it. Yeah. So. I just thought that this was a, uh, a, a a tough way for them to go, considering the fact that this is this isn't the Daily Show. Uh, this isn't the, uh, you know, last week tonight, you know, those shows that, re- you know, really brand themselves as sort of like, you know, a liberally slanted comedy show. And if that's what SNL is. Okay, that's fine. That's what SNL is from now on. But I kind of feel like that they lose the ability to say that they call it down the middle now. Yeah, I mean, and I would say without getting into politics too much, I think that if you were SNL and like many uh, Democrats felt that, you know, that this one particular election transcended uh, uh, Republican versus uh, Democrat and conservative versus liberal too many people. uh, There were a lot of issues of, uh, you know, of of racism and sexism. And uh, and I so I think that if we were to ask the writers, they would say that this wasn't about, you know, being liberal or being Democrat. This was about 
sort of fearing uh, a personality type taking over the uh, the office. I, I don't know that I necessarily uh, agree or disagree, but I will say sort of pulling back from the con. One thing that I like is when SNL doesn't do the thing that we all expect SNL to do. So even though for myself, I was a little bit like, what are they doing right now? And I kind of get my head around it. Uh, I always like when when it's not, well, here it is. It's uh, it's Kate McKinnon playing Hillary and, and whatever it is, uh, you know, and we're just seeing the predicted sketch. I, I like that at least they're throwing us off so that it's not always the exact same Mad Libs, uh, you know, show format. So to that extent, I, I, I thought this was an interesting and a good way to sort of kick off the show. Yeah. I just one more time. I want to say yep. that if this was Kate McKinnon on her YouTube channel or, you know, some other medium, like I thought, again, I thought the song was beautiful. I thought that the, the parallels, the, like the lyrics in the song, I thought it was all tonally perfect for what she's trying to say or what the writers are trying to say. It just seemed like that if there's people that are out there that listen to this podcast that did vote for Donald Trump, I, you know, I, I don't think that you should paint, you know, half the people in the country that voted for him in a, in a way that maybe, you know, they're just voting for a certain economic policy or for whatever reason couldn't get on board with Hillary. And I feel like there's probably a lot of people that tuned into the show and rolled their eyes. Uh, me not being one of them, but right. I, I'm just saying that I feel like, it, you know, it's hard to say that this is a, a show that calls it down the middle after this. Oh, on, in this, in this instance, absolutely. I agree. Okay. All right. I don't want to spend too much uh, time just talking about that. So then let's go into Dave Chappelle who is on the show after a long hiatus in sketch comedy here to do a monologue. And while he was partisan, Rich, I don't have an issue with Dave Chappelle being partisan in the monologue because I feel like that there's a separation of, okay, here's a comedian and he's here and he's doing a, you know, he, he is here to tell jokes and do comedy. But I feel like that he's able to say what he wants to say and it doesn't necessarily mean that those are the views of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And also, you know, the bottom line is Chappelle was funny. So, you know, you, you know, I think, you know, you can take shots at, at almost anyone you want on uh, on SNL. You know, you just have to be funny. And this is a case where I think he delivered across the board. This was an extremely long monologue. This was, I think, 11 minutes. I think uh, I think the longest before that in recent history was Louis C.K. did an eight minute monologue, which was very long, although this did not seem long at all. I've watched it twice now and uh, and it sort of flew by. It was just, you know, Chappelle, uh, you know, as we said, he, you know, uh, you know, left the Chappelle show uh, 11, I think almost 12 years ago and has not been on TV doing sketch comedy since, but has been working stand up comedy in the clubs very consistently. This is a masterful stand up comedian and really, I think maybe a little bit thrown by the uh, rhythms of a uh, live television at first and then quickly got the got his sea legs and i i thought this was just really fun you know biting where it needed to be cutting where it needed to be silly where it needed to be and then kind of brought it home with a very sort of uh you know pointed sort of uh strong statement to the president elect i i thought this was uh just a, a really tremendous monologue yeah i really did uh enjoy it was funny and then uh it was poignant at the end uh it was also uh very blue rich and i'm wondering have you you seen anything today in terms of any sort of fines or anything uh, like FCC related with this monologue? No, I haven't heard anything, which I thought, uh, which I thought was uh, was surprising. I mean, I also think you know, you know, in a in a you know, potentially maybe the error of political correctness is uh, abating back a bit with recent you know uh, decisions by the country. You know, I think Dave Chappelle took it well, and, and to you know, for him to use the N word as many times as he did on on stage, I feel like gives him a, uh, you know, a, you know, uh, you know, he sort of has the right to do that now. And I thought it was really, uh, really fun. And, uh, and I'm sort of glad that he, you know, again, we're not on at 8 p.m. on a Tuesday. We're on at 1130 on a Saturday. So uh, I was really glad that he was given the rope to do what he wanted to do. Yeah. Um, anything else in particular from the monologue? 
Uh, no, uh, Rachel on chat room is calling out correctly. Fred Armisen had a really long monologue last year. I was thinking of stand-up comedians specifically, but you're absolutely right. Fred's one-man show mm-hmm. uh, was brilliantly long. So I thought, uh, so I thought uh, just in general, very funny. Okay. Uh, Rich, the first sketch after the monologue was the idea of the uh, Hillary Clinton supporter election uh, results party. Uh, with Dave Chappelle being the other guest uh, who was there. And this, to me, I felt like was much more of the tone of SNL, where I feel like that this was a sketch, whether you were somebody who could relate to these people or, uh, you know, or somebody who was uh, not rooting for Hillary Clinton to win. I I felt like that this sketch uh, was, um, you know, much more what I would have expected from the show. Yeah, no, I thought this was this was excellent, and uh, with and I'll put an asterisk to ask, ask, uh, uh, excellent about it. But you're right because it was it was making fun really of both sides. It was basically making fun of uh, too cozy, too coy liberal uh, Democrats. But the underlying premise is because they didn't understand how racist the rest of the country is, mm-hmm. which is in a sense an even dig, big bigger dig, uh, and the sort of nonchalantness with how much. He uh, and Chris, uh, you know, found that. So uh, excellent writing. I wish I had seen who wrote the sketch. There was there was really nothing on the on the interwebs today about who wrote what. So uh, so I don't know. But I thought this was excellent. I will say from a performance standpoint, again, Chappelle has not done sketch comedy in 12 years. Even when Chappelle did sketch comedy, it was not live. So he did not have to rely on cue cards. He was able to memorize because it was single camera pre-taped sketches. Uh, So I thought that the beginning of this sketch, uh, Dave was his rhythm was sort of off from everybody else in the sketch and it, and it was still funny but it didn't quite feel as tight as it could be and then who walks in but good friend of Chappelle Chris Rock SNL alumni Chris Rock and his delivery and his timing was just spot on and and he I think sort of saved this not because his the writing was better but because he just had the perfect timing and tone to just you know he you know he's not a droll mon, mon, uh, you know monologist like Dave Chappelle he is a uh, grab the mic and go. And this sketch was perfect for this. So I thought uh, everything about him was really fun. It was great. Yeah. And just like really amazing to see uh, Chappelle and Chris Rock working together on the show. Um, you know, I, I don't have a, a ton more to say about it. It's just like they really just like uh, like pitch perfect, I thought. Pitch perfect. And by the way, the rest of the cast, great job. I mean, Vanessa Bayer, when she decides to grab Xanax from the bedroom was great. I love that, you know, every person at the party has a friend that works at some news organization. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a beautiful little moment or trying to justify, okay, we just need to win this back and this back. And, uh, you know, I thought, so I thought there was just a lot of fun here. I thought that, I I thought that was really well done, really fun take on sort of all of us. Even when Chappelle was like, guys, you got to go to sleep. You've got a big night tomorrow of morning and posting things on on Facebook, I thought it was really fun. It was a lot of fun there. And Chris just, just was just great. Yeah. Uh, so then after this, uh, we ended up with uh, the uh, Walking Dead uh, Chappelle show bit. Rich, uh, you were a big Chappelle show fan. I was a huge Chappelle show fan. Um, now I will say I have not seen the Chappelle. So since the Chappelle show aired in 2003, 2004. So, uh, you know, a- as much as I loved these characters 12 and 13 years ago, I have not, uh, seen, uh, you know, these characters since then. So I had to do a lot of like, okay, this was who again? Oh, okay. This is the blind guy who was in the clan. Okay. Was that, who is this? This was, Oh, that was the newscaster. Okay. I kind of remember him but not as well. Um, so very fun to see, but I did not have, I, I do think that this sketch was relying on or assuming that we all had much more of a familiarity and a remembering of the Chappelle show characters than I personally had, even though I was a diehard fan back in the day. I hear you. I was the same exact way. I can remember just like, the, I mean, this was like pre YouTube. I can remember like downloading like the Chappelle show clips off of LimeWire or whatever godforsaken peer-to-peer type software I was running just to get them. And I remember I had them and I would watch them over and over again. But you're right, like the news anchor that I, I still don't even remember that character. 
Yeah, even the, I, I like that Donnell Rawlings came back to do the time traveling uh, guys again. Uh, but I barely remember. I, I remembered that I knew who they were, but I couldn't tell you the first thing about them. I had to go back and look. Um, I, I, I do want to give one, and I love Chappelle, and I love this episode, but I'm going to throw in a boy out of the, um, I will use the word pompousness, and other people can take me down, for the need to do a live intro to this pre-taped sketch uh, that everyone's been asking him about his Chappelle show th- uh, characters, and he wasn't going to until he saw The Walking Dead, if what did that possibly add to the episode? What did we need? We, there was nothing we needed. We, clearly, it was The Walking Dead. Clearly, it was Chappelle Show characters. Uh, he didn't tell us anything that we needed to know. He didn't explain anything as a setup. It just felt very self-important to me. I Overall, great A for, for Chappelle. This, to me, that beginning, it, it didn't set me on the wrong foot, but it definitely, it, it had me going, oh boy. To, it it to didn't the, bother me as much, except that he spoiled uh, The Walking Dead death. I feel like if you were a couple seasons behind on The Walking Dead, Chappelle's going to tell you uh, who dies in that spot also. I will also say, uh, you know, that this really did make me feel like this felt like a Chappelle show sketch. Uh, It was directed by Oz Rodriguez, you know, SNL uh, director Oz Rodriguez. But it really did feel like a Chappelle show sketch, not only in the fact that Dave was playing old characters, but in the writing, in the tonality of it. Uh, And interesting to note for those of us who watch The Good Nights multiple times because we're SNL lunatics, uh, Chappelle show co-creator and co-writer Neil Brennan got a writer's credit in this week's episode of Saturday Night oh. Live. So I very much wonder if uh, if uh, if Neil Brennan wrote this sketch with Dave Chappelle uh, because it felt so much like sort of an extension of the show that this is the kind of sketch we would have seen had the Chappelle show been on in 2016 and uh, and them sort of doing something. Now, Rich, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the most iconic character in the history of Chappelle's show Rick James? Well, so that's interesting. So once they set up the lineup and we realize we're going to see Chappelle show uh, characters, my first thought was, oh, you're probably going to close with Rick James. But then remember, for those of us who remember the controversy, and I don't know how many people maybe are young enough in our audience to not actually have seen the Chappelle show when it first aired, uh, he walked away from the show uh, in the middle of taping season three after the third episode. He couldn't take it anymore and, and left. And one of the big things that got him down was his iconic character, Rick James, had the catchphrase i'm rick james bitch and uh he would uh perform stand-up comedy and and would walk off the stage sometimes because the audience was just screaming i'm rick james bitch over and over and over again after his repeated request to stop my wife genevieve and i actually saw him uh at the brea improv during this time during the show and in fact that happened the audience after he would ask repeatedly guys please i got an act to do i'm here to do an act please stop they would just keep shelling uh, yelling I'm Rick James bitch so even though he didn't leave the show over Rick James sketch I'm not in any way surprised that he didn't want to refer to it and sort of revive that I think if Rick James had been in that sketch that would have been the thing that would have been retweeted and giffied and all that stuff it would have his whole appearance would have been boiled down to Rick James showing up so I'm glad that he didn't I'm not surprised that he didn't that's interesting I had no idea about this I I thought you were going to say that Rick James uh and I don't remember when Rick James died was he still alive he still he was still alive when they did that right because he was in because he was in the in the 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 piece right he's like a cocaine is a hell of a drug right when he's like they interview Rick James as part of it I think he probably passed away uh within a couple of years of uh when that had gone had gone up so uh yeah I thought that's where you were going with that but then I, I had no idea yeah. Now, interesting. Mark and PB in the chat room are saying that they liked it, uh, you know, as a tip off that these were Chappelle show characters and that Dave would pre introduce pieces on his show. Uh, I'll just agree to disagree. I don't think that it added anything. I don't think I think it was tonally so uh, so off. And I think if you didn't know these were Chappelle show characters, it wasn't going to matter. But I'll take it. It is it is what it is. Uh, but uh, but I again, the sketch itself, I thought was more fun than funny because mm-hmm. the characters were very funny, but I couldn't remember who was who and what their bits were. And also I don't watch the walking dead. So I know of this from pop culture that there was a big death, uh, but I didn't know how much of this was this bubble gum, bubble gum. I don't know if that was specific to this or if it was a Chappelle show reference. I don't remember. Right. In the walking dead, the guy before he picked somebody out to kill said, did uh, any, meeny, miny, mo. 
So got uh, it. Yeah, got it. Uh, not yeah, really. So, uh, it would have been yeah. just as funny if they did eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Let's talk uh, Tribe Called Quest and uh, let's bring in our musical correspondent, James Keast. And uh, James, are you there? Hello. James, Tribe Called Quest is back to which my wife said, why are they on this show? <laughs> As Lauren Michaels used to say, why now? I know why now, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tell us, yeah. James. Their their first record in 18 years dropped this week. And uh, yeah, so they're even older than the Chappelle show, although they are exactly the sort of act that would have. And I think they did appear on the Chappelle show. Uh, so I don't know if this was by special request or just coincidence that uh, they happen to also have a record out. But it was certainly an appropriate fit to have Chappelle and uh, and Tribe Called Quest on the show uh, together. This it was a good week. pairing. Absolutely. Okay, so the the songs that Tribe Called Quest did did they do new songs from the new album? Uh, yeah, that was they were both new songs uh, from the new record. Although uh, for Tribe fans, they sound exactly like they sounded 18 years ago. It's as if uh, hip hop hasn't changed, or they haven't listened to any hip hop in the last 18 years. <laughs> but they are they sound exactly like they did uh, when they when they left off in terms of. Uh, the sort of cool jazz vibe and the samples and the very old school, just uh, two rappers and a DJ presentation. Uh, it's 1996 all over again. So are you saying that as a good thing or a bad thing? Uh, I think it's a good thing for Tribe fans. And the new record is actually surprisingly good. But it's uh, and, and I think they shouldn't try to be anything that they're not. Uh, but it is a little bit surprising that it's it's just exactly there's no influence of any new sounds or or innovations that have happened in hip hop in the last two decades. Okay. And then uh James, the poster that they were, you know, that they were holding up, who was that person that uh obviously somebody who passed away, right? So that's Fife Dog, who is one of the core members of Tribe, and he actually worked on the record and and it, the audio wasn't terrific, but you that was his verse. Uh, that was playing in the background when the banner dropped and and uh, he died from complications of uh, from diabetes uh, just in March this year. Uh, okay. So he had been working on the record with them. And uh, and so that's why uh, that's where the, the banner was was for. OK, then Tribe Called Quest had some help with the second time out. Was that Busta Rhymes? That was Busta Rhymes. And then Tracy Morgan is going to star in the Busta Rhymes biopic. They uh, <laughs> they they look like they could be siblings. Did we need a Busta Rhymes biopic? <laughs> I could imagine Busta it would be Bust? crazy. Yeah. Okay. Maybe there's a story there. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Busta Rhymes. And then also a rapper named Consequence, who uh, honestly is not of, of great consequence. Oh. Uh, he's, he's actually Q-Tip's cousin. And uh, he appeared on a Tribe record back in the day. And uh, so he was there as well. Um, but yeah. So both. I thought they were both really good. Uh, it they do sort of uh, illustrate the limitations of live hip hop that have uh, from back then where it's just, if it's just two guys and a mic and a DJ, it's not always easy to hear what everybody's saying and, and uh, you know, but, uh, but it was great to see them and, and they, they looked and sounded good. So. Yeah. James, Rachel in the chat is asking you, what do you think of Kate McKinnon singing? Uh, I, I thought it was, it was beautiful. And one of the things about Leonard Cohen songs in particular is that everyone can sing them. I mean, he had a very limited range. He wrote songs in a very limited range. And so they're all, they've always been very, very accessible to sing along. And, uh, and I just thought that the, it was such an emotional performance uh, that I thought that really brought it, you know um, you know, she was in tears at the end and it's a, and it's a very, it's a heavy song to to lay down. And I thought she did a good job. Yeah. Uh, again, I thought that the performance is beautiful. She really uh, did a, a great job. But just uh, compare that to when she did the uh, I can't make you love me uh, if you don't, which was clearly meant to be Hillary Clinton in character. Rich, do you remember that cold open yeah. from last season? Yes. Yeah. Uh, where Jeb Bush uh, popped up as well to sing along with her. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 
very different uh, tonally from two different uh, Kate McKinnon uh, song performances. Yes. Okay. Yeah, very much. And I, I totally agree with your, uh, with what you had to say about the, the strangely funereal tone that the whole thing took. And I couldn't, because I, I, I couldn't tell because I was like, it's a Leonard Cohen tribute, but why would they like what Leonard Cohen has nothing to do with SNL. Right. And it is, but it's a Hillary character but or is it i couldn't i was confused i i thought it was beautiful and it's a beautiful song uh i was sad to lose leonard cohen this week but uh i thought i thought it was an odd choice for an open yeah all right well james uh we don't know when snl is going to be back or who the musical guest is going to be right rich uh no we do oh who is it who who, 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 and the musical guest is the xx is that the 20 games help me what what what, what the, the hell are we talking about here what what what, what am uh, i looking forward to is it is it the, is it a female is it a chromosome thing is it a, what are we talking about uh, charlie xx it's a uh no that's a charlie xcx <laughs> uh this is the xx they're a british uh sort of dance rock band uh, uh led by dj jamie xx so uh, they're pretty cool. I, I'm I'm curious to see what they're going to do. It's sort of an, a more underground choice for SNL. Okay. All right. And when is that going to be? When's that I show, Rich? Next this week. week. Yeah, this next week. Oh, yeah. my God. How many shows in a row are they doing on SNL? I well, know. it'll be three shows. It'll be three shows in a row, and then we'll probably take a break for Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving break. I know. I just feel like that this season, have they taken one week off so far? Since they we came back the Halloween, we took off the Halloween weekend. Yes. I mean, it's a really uh, we're on a, uh, a breakneck pace here in the yeah. fall of 2016. We are on an accelerated <laughs> schedule, most certainly. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, James, thanks as always. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, you can follow James on Twitter thanks, at guys. Exclaim Editor. Great. All right. Take care, talk James. You guys later. All right. Bye. All right. Uh, Rich, let's get into weekend update. You knew that uh, that uh, Colin and Michael were going to be fired up after the election results. And uh, what did you think of how they did in the big moment? Uh, I think very differently. I, I think uh, I'm going to be a little, uh, you know, direct in my criticism. Uh, I thought that Colin was great. I thought he had some really great jokes. They were delivered very well. Uh, and we'll talk about those specifically. And I think this is probably the week that Michael Che lost me. Um, and I think it was because, you know, he uh, he made a very innocent mistake that every comedian and every weekend update host does. He flubbed a joke. Um, but I think that for uh, all of the great uh, weekend update, uh, you know, hosts, uh, anchors, uh, flubbing a joke is usually when you can get the biggest laugh and you can sort of, it, it's in that moment of crisis that your true weekend update chops come out. Uh, and Michael's did not. And that does not mean he's not a great comedian. That's not, doesn't mean he's not great at other things. But this was, uh, you know, he was setting up a joke about, you know, his Mexican friend and the punchline was supposed to be, he was asking his Mexican friend about why he voted. And he was supposed to say, I'm not Mexican, I'm Puerto Rican. And he flubbed the joke, innocent flub. Uh, but he really kind of lost me there. I really kind of thought, I think even if Colin Jost had, had flubbed that, it would have ultimately the ad lib following would have gotten a much bigger laugh and and uh, endeared us to him. Uh, but I don't think that uh, Michael Che has it for this particular job uh, and not to say that he did not make me laugh as as always he had some funny jokes um but uh i i was i was much cooler on him by the end of this which is a trend that i've been heading towards what about when he went back to it and mentioned it a second time well and that's where i'm waiting for the when he went back to it i'm waiting for the okay now he's had his comedic mind has time to sort of percolate and come up with the good okay and then it was nothing it was just like he called himself out again for making a mistake and it really was just it was just a it was just nothing to me it was just like you know hey i've moved past it why haven't you and and i thought sort of dragged him down so i i i really was not uh i, I was definitely cool on this i was not uh not, not thrilled by it okay rich what did colin do that you liked so much 
Um, I mean, I think a lot of the jokes were really funny. I thought he talked about, you know, the, you know, how brave uh, Donald Trump was uh, by this week going to the White House and and meeting face to face with the man who founded ISIS. I thought he did. Yeah. Uh, that was great. I mean, I think the, the the great moment, the inspired moment of the whole weekend update was when they did a tribute to the record number of female minorities elected to mm-hmm. U.S. Senate, and they start playing the U.S. Uh, they the Sarah Bareilles' fight song, and after four names, it cuts back to Colin with a weekend update mug drinking and is like, wait, what? Huh? Yeah. Uh, I thought that was very funny. I thought that was really great. Yeah. Probably then, uh, the best joke, uh, pure joke that he had was also about, uh, Mike Pence leading the transition team, uh, which, yeah. uh, to Mike Pence is usually, uh, leads to conversion therapy. Uh, that was, yes. uh, uh, very good. Uh, so uh, some, some I, really- liked, I liked when he said that America is like Lindsay Jones addicted to white guys. I thought that was a great inside baseball call, which is very cute. Yeah. I mean, Rich, I'm just so confused with that. Is that a real is that a, a actual thing? I, I mean, then we had the whole sketch later on where Leslie Jones is dating right. Kyle Mooney. It was weird foreshadowing. Yes. No, I think that's just the character. I think that that's the character that because of Leslie's, you know, relationship with Colin during Weekend Update. I felt like it was a reference to that. And I and I just liked the reference. I thought it was fun. I don't actually think it's accurate. I, I don't know. I don't know her. It's just weird that if we're if this is a character trait that we've established on the show, it's like uh, that, you know, it's like saying like, uh, oh, he knows uh, he, like uh, he uh, is addicted to that. Like uh, Stefan is addicted to uh, methamphetamine. Yeah, I, I guess because it's a it, it's, you know, it's a little different if you're talking about Pete. Like, I think you could make a stoner joke about Pete Davidson uh, and it would ring true in that case. I think it is true. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that didn't bother me. I, right. I thought it was fun. Uh, and I will say Michael Che did have a, a, some really funny jokes. I like when they showed the map of voting by county and he said that, you know, that where the Democrats voted, it looked like a Metro PCS coverage zone. I thought that was very Yeah, But funny. I feel I've seen that as a meme all week long where oh, people, you know, I've seen a, a bunch of people on Instagram and on Facebook, like put out like uh like hey we have like uh trump has better coverage than the than verizon can you hear us now so uh i felt like uh, i don't like that when uh these uh memes make it into weekend update yeah no i agree I okay agree. Uh, uh yeah ruth bader ginsburg is here so interestingly i think this is only the third time that we've seen uh justice ginsburg we the last time we saw her was uh with scarlett johansson uh two seasons ago during the scarlett johansson episode uh and again to me, and I've said this before, uh, this is what I love about SNL, which is when they can take a character and turn it into, take a, a person and create a character from the person that has little or nothing to do with the real person. And the character is just so fun. So we've got, you know, Justice Ginsburg, the spunky 83 year old who, uh, you know, enjoys, uh, you know, uh, Ginsburning people and, and doing her little, you know, little dance to it. Uh, I just thought this was really funny. I mean, right out of the gate when she talked about eating an apple a day to keep Ben Carson away, it made me laugh. And the huge oversized emergency packet with, yeah. you know, where she she pours down her throat, which on paper is the dumbest physical gag. Did it work? <laughs> 100 percent it was so funny and so uh and, you know and some of the burns i think actually sort of the studio audience didn't quite get as a burn so it didn't have the big laugh before she said you got gins burned but overall i thought they were all really funny i thought it was really fun yeah it's really good you know i don't love it when she has to dance uh, after everyone but uh w- whatever it's fun yeah, it's a little, and I always get Keenan's character's name wrong. Jean, not Jean Valjean, uh, um, the the French comedian. I always screw his name up, but he always, uh, and then he starts doing his little dance. It reminds me a little bit of that. But I, I just had great energy, and I, I I know I quoted at the beginning. I loved when he was talking about Mike Pence and said, "Sorry, you looked at Magnum PI once and got a quarter chub, and you've been haunted by it ever since." Mm-hmm. I thought that was just great. John Key, jo- uh, John K. John. That's what his yeah. said. So, so, uh, yeah, I thought this was really funny. Surprising that there was only one correspondent right. during the update. I, I wonder if uh, someone got cut for time uh, because maybe the monologue went longer than they had expected or something. But uh, but but overall, really fun. OK, so then coming out of update, we have a very interesting sketch, which starts out as one thing and then becomes something else. So we start off with uh, Jerry's place and it's a bunch of people with sort of like a Jerry curl wig 
And then uh, we end up sort of pulling back and it's inside and uh, inside SNL, which is like some sort of like post game sports wrap up. Yeah, they got me on this because during Jerry's place, I was like, why is Leslie Jones on a separate camera than everyone else? And why did she like looked weird in the middle of it? Like I, so I totally bought into like, what the hell went wrong with this sketch? And I was like getting the, uh, in the chamber, you know, ready to fire off a boy at, at, at full velocity. And then the cut to it's time for the post game show. Loved it. Loved it. Mm-hmm. So I wish they would do more stuff like this. Super self-referential. I would expect that we, we will see this sketch done again next season. Uh, I thought everything about this was funny. I will say not a lot of lines were individually hilarious, but overall everything worked and a couple of really funny lines and a couple of even just sort of side, uh, you know, side things. And this is coming from a guy who cannot compare it to an actual sports event post game uh, interview this was just fun for this take a fun for me i thought it was all really funny yeah uh they asked Chappelle about why did you decide to do this uh and he talks uh, at first he like puts it all on himself says you know he thought the wig was funny and he knows that the wig can't carry the sketch uh they ask uh leslie jones about the cue cards and she like uh, quotes the alan iverson line about practice uh, there's Kyle Mooney about, uh, did he think he'd be able to pull off the accent? Yeah. I just, I just didn't have it today. I yeah. just, I just didn't have it. I thought it was great. I did love that they, when they asked 80 about, uh, 80, uh, you'd said this week, is it true that this was going to be a heater? This was going to break the internet. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, next question yeah and uh, the highlight i think is nino brings up where then Chappelle goes back to talking about the wig and he says he saw the wig he thought it was funny he thought this was going to be the next david s pumpkins yes the, the line of the of the sketch the line maybe the line of the night although huge shout out to keenan when they bust him about he's like i've been on this show for 62 seasons and he's like i gotta get ready for my sketch live from new york y'all can kiss my ass i yeah. thought that was just so beautiful and a great shout out to mikey day who didn't have a lot in this episode but i like when they when they just cut to him full frame so he can go any questions for me mikey day and they're like no and they kept moving on so like mm-hmm. everybody brought it in this thing it's just really fun. It's very fun i did think for a second rich that this was going to be like some sort of like a podcast type thing that they were going to do yeah. uh and as I, I was glad when they went with the the sports uh press conference oh if they ripped us and people like us a new a-hole in snl it would be the greatest moment of my life the <laughs> more vicious the more excited the more i would be yelling and screaming in joy uh you know it would be great that i think at this point my bucket list is for bobby moynihan to go uh boy about an <laughs> SNL sketch on SNL. That would be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, it would be, uh, you know, uh, you wouldn't have to mine too hard for the comedy. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So this this was great. I don't know if I would say it was the sketch of the night because the election night uh, sort of uh, thing I think was so funny, uh, but this was, uh, this was great. And by the way, uh, kudos to SNL. I always say this, to have the political capital to do Jerry's Place for a good... 60, 75 seconds of clearly the audience is not supposed to know this is a bad sketch yet. They're not supposed to know we're intentionally flubbing it and having the cojones to see them sort of like, nope, we're going to it's short, but we're going to take this to the end, even to Kyle doing a bad Italian act. Uh, so uh, so I uh, kudos to them for 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 going that far. And 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 uh, I, you know, I think uh, Mark was saying, can you see them doing this again in the chat room? I would say, yes, I think next season we'll see it when we don't see it. And I and I and I'm looking forward to it. OK, Rich, uh, we had a sketch where we had Vanessa Bayer talking with kids in like a kindergarten class about politics. How do you talk to your kids about what happened in the election And then uh, we had a reveal where then one of the girls in the class was Dave Chappelle's daughter. Yeah, I would say this was probably one of my least favorite pieces of the night. Uh, For me, I don't know if it was a fully formed idea or at least a clear enough idea. I loved Vanessa Bayer in this. Um, Although, ironically, this was a lot of making fun of the old AT&T commercials wherein a guy in a suit would sit and interview three kids. The guy in the suit was Beck Bennett before he got on SNL. You had the guy in the room who used to do this commercial for AT&T. That said, she was great. The kids were great. 
for me, it just wasn't clear enough. Like, well, the kids sort of did know who Trump was. It wasn't a clear enough for me sort of A to B of the kids just being super, uh, you know, uh, oblivious to the political issues and then having the one young girl who is completely plugged into it. And then the fact that she turns out to be Dave Chappelle's kid was still a little bit muddying the comedy for me. I, I, I liked it, but I still was a little bit like, so uh, where is the what? Um, OK, uh, so so fun, not necessarily funny, good effort. And they, by the way, for me to say that this piece of comedy was the for me, the weakest piece of the night shows you how strong this night was. Yeah. And I thought it was going to be something that was really going to be promising. I was really excited about where it was going. I said, OK, we got Vanessa in a pre-taped piece uh, with these kids. But then, yeah, I did feel like it felt a little bit flat. And we got into uh, with the cat, what the cat's name was. Um, I, I, I agree. I felt yeah. like that. Maybe this got cut down a little bit. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it got edited down. And where I thought it was going, and I'm not a comedy writer, as I prove every week on this podcast, I thought where it was going is we were going to have sort of, she's asking about Trump and some of the kids are just saying the generic sort of things about what a bad guy he is or what a duty head or whatever. And then I thought one of the kids was going to start schooling Vanessa Bayer on sort of the liberal elite thinking about Trump and sort of taking her to task. I thought that's where Vanessa Bayer would have shined if she was on the defensive, explaining that Hillary's, you know, her email were her cozy relationship with Wall Street was not the same as and seeing her on the defensive where a little kid grills her about sort of the liberal, you know, the, the the Democrats beliefs going into this. I thought that's where they were going, which I thought could have been really fun. Um, but still, I mean, again, we're post update. Uh, you know, it, it was short. It, it didn't belabor the point. So uh, interesting. Rich, uh, let's talk about the return of your favorite, Sheila Savage. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just love this to death. So this is the uh, fifth time we're seeing it. We've now done this sketch once a season, every season. Uh, John Goodman, then Vince Vaughn, Woody Harrelson, Larry David last season, and now, uh, you know, uh, Dave Chappelle here. Sheila Sauvage is back with uh, Keenan, the bartender. This is the first time in the five years we've done it that the sketch did not appear as the uh, as the last sketch of the night. It was the, our last call was Moving not actually up. the last call. Very surprised. Surprising, um, but so strong. I mean, I, I've I've never had anything negative to say about the sketch. It makes me laugh every time. She is just tremendous in this. And then Chappelle, I thought this was the sketch of the live sketches. This was the sketch where I really thought, you know, he he connected with her. His timing was the best. His delivery, I felt like he was so much in the same universe as the rest of them and the timing and the delivery and the connection between them. Uh, when he talked about moving his briefcase and by briefcase I mean a Ziploc bag filled with emergency underwear like it just came off to such a good start um, and there's just and again this is all about the writings I know that I assume if tradition is the same this was written by Kate and uh, Chris Kelly and uh, Sarah Schneider uh, two of the three uh, head writers uh, and they always just every line uh, when he recognized her and she, already, and she said you might recognize me from ABC's what would you do I was the one that didn't help the tourists getting mugged my wife and I I laughed about that for so long. And and I also want to say kudos for them for the little touches. Uh, the thing that made me laugh so hard is when uh, when uh, Keenan says that, you know, this is the first sign of the apocalypse. And then a single rubber frog drops from the ceiling. I thought it's such a beautiful little moment. Uh, just everything about this was great. Yeah, a bunch of little things in this that I really loved. Uh, when they ordered the drinks uh, that we uh, Chappelle got, uh, what was it with Pepto Bismo? Whatever uh, that was, that was his drink. Uh, yeah, but yeah. she ordered the a gin and Sonic, which is yes. uh, a burger uh, in a drink, uh, and gin they actually with a give little her, bit of burger in it. Yeah, and they actually so give her a burger, uh, yeah. and then you know Keenan's reactions are so good. Keenan I mean, he. So fantastic. He's so funny in this. And, uh, you know, when she says that her sign is vagitarious, that <laughs> he's got like the air horns in his ears. And when he starts pouring bleach into his <laughs> eyes, I thought that was so, so great. And by the way, the other thing I loved about this sketch is that usually they try to top each other in the grossness. You know, the first time her and John Goodman are just making out, it's crazy. Then she's uh, licking uh, Vince Vaughn's head. Then with Woody Harrelson, I think they had a uh, uh, uh 
uh, saran wrap and then uh, then uh, um, well, anyway. Uh, and I liked here they actually didn't even need to get grosser. Just the ridiculous visual of the two bar soda guns shooting the water to Bellagio. Their makeout was so inspired because it has nothing to do with making out with a with somebody. It has nothing to do with being at a bar. Really, it was just the most random visual that was so perfect with the with the Debussy playing on the on the on the the record player it was just so wonderful this just it just made me so happy to see this yeah great job all right let's talk about the Leslie Jones uh, is dating Kyle Mooney uh, piece. So this was uh, directed by Dave McGarry. So probably you're looking at your, you know, your good neighbor guys, obviously, uh, you know, with uh, with uh, Kyle playing a big role in this. It's interesting. The first time I saw it, I liked it. I don't know that I loved it, but I liked it. The second time I watched it, I liked it, uh, you know, 20 times more. Um, I just thought this was really fun. The pacing was so different than most of the things that we see on SNL, even the pre-tapes. Uh, and I loved this side of Leslie Jones. I mean, at no point in this in this piece did leslie jones have to take it to 11 or play the no you didn't or refer to a white person as another famous white person it was just a wonderfully subtle well-played great comedy chops by leslie kyle willing to play such a fun character of himself that he's a virgin i thought that was super fun uh and then a lot of great little visuals along the way uh lauren in a pre-tape which we i don't know that we've seen since laser cats uh, if I could, uh, maybe there's been one or two since then, but very few. Uh, so just really warm and fun and silly and, uh, you know, certainly worthy of this late slot as just a, this is a thing that we did. And the Colin Jost run on it, I thought was just great. And it just, everything about this was really fun. Uh, this one didn't work as well for me. I, I just was trying to wrap my head around like, where is this going? You know, if if Kyle Mooney was dating Leslie Jones, like, uh, so what? Why is this, you know, so funny that, you know, it's just, you know, we already do this bit already with Colin Jost. I just felt like that, uh, you know, that that she has a thing for one of the people in the cast. So I. I I thought it was fun, but I, I, I just that this was probably one of my least favorite things from the show last night. Any chance did you see it? Uh, did you see it a second time by any? No, chance? I did not. I, uh, my the first time I watched it, I had the same reaction as you, which is I thought more fun than funny cute but i don't know what the point was and then the second time watching it not that you know the standard snl watcher needs to watch things twice but for me having watched it a second time it it really made a big difference i'll I, watch I it again really i'll like, watch it i'll, I'll, get, I'll give it a second that. chance i'll give it a second yeah, chance for kyle mooney really and leslie fun. jones and i don't disagree with anything you're saying but it but I, for me there are a lot of little gags in here little small things that just 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 made me giggle okay um the final sketch, more Leslie Jones, uh, is that uh, Leslie Jones is Dave Chappelle's mom and is breastfeeding at the football party. So we go from a very subtle, warm uh, piece to one of the craziest, probably raunchiest pieces we've seen in a while. And I don't think by any means too raunchy, but for SNL in an era of somewhat political correctness, this was just really fun. Uh, it was not the most brilliant piece of writing. It wasn't meant to be a brilliant piece of writing. Right. It was just really, let's see how far we can go. And the anchor of this was that Dave Chappelle did not not wink to the camera once he did not sort of bail once he did not break once he just fully committed to this even when his face was covered in milk which was just hilarious mm -hmm. uh and everyone was laughing i i thought this was a fun crazy way to go out rich i'm interested to know when did you watch this on the east coast or the west coast uh, both actually. Okay. I saw both. Did teams. they do anything in the West Coast version to not have the like uh, milk shooting cannon be exposed as much? No. Okay. No, it was the same. It was, <laughs> and I watched for that. It was the same. I, 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 you know, that is the peril of live TV is that, you know, when you're dealing with complicated props, you can make a mistake on camera and camera angles and such. Uh, no, we saw that on the West Coast as well. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was uh, definitely uh, a, uh, a, f a funny sketch. And, uh, you know, it just got into, you know, how far are they going to go with this and very far? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I thought it was really funny. Everyone laughing. I think at one point. Keenan looked like he drinks, was breaking too. 
Keenan was breaking, Pete was breaking, and even Leslie started to laugh. I think at one point when uh, when uh, when Dave gets the glass of milk, he goes, hmm, still warm. And she had this, like, she almost shook, which I, so I suspect that that was an ad lib because it was really funny. So the commitment was just really fun. Uh, as Chris is saying, Sashir is a made of first time in the episode, I think, tonight at the very end. Uh, granted, she got more screen time than uh, Melissa Villasenor, which is always, uh, you know, bro, you know, brutal a uh, couple of people did not get a lot of screen time but fun to see her and i thought they did a really good job okay rich uh the good nights what did you notice so okay first nerdy thing very odd at the end of the football party when we're going to commercial the band played instead of the uh the the keys on the piano to the theme the closing theme so very odd uh, that was odd to me. Uh, also, just you never see uh, any person on, you know, at home base saying goodnight while smoking a cigarette. That's a very odd, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle really breaking form and smoking a cigarette. Uh, and Dave's, go, you know, goodnight's very long, probably because something had to be cut because of how long other things went. And then they ended up having a little bit more time. Uh you know, Dave went on longer than usual, a little bit more congratulatory than usual. Watching the face of the cast, and, and by the way, watching the good nights, they all seem to really like him a lot. But the cast was all very oddly stone-faced during Chappelle's good nights. They were they didn't look mad by any stretch, but they also didn't seem particularly happy. And it was really almost everybody. It was a very odd, like something was going on that we didn't know about. So it looked very uh, odd. Leslie Jones at one point. Uh, I think was crying uh, as they were uh, the saying goodnight. I don't know if it was tears of happiness or if something had happened. Uh, I don't know. Chris is saying that Kyle looked upset in the goodbyes. Uh, I, I don't remember Kyle specifically, but I believe it. So, so I mean, an odd, an odd night. Do you feel like it was political? I don't know because I would think that if it was political, that this these ninety minutes would have been cathartic enough mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have thought so. Um, but maybe I don't know. I, I can't say. So. Okay. Weird night. Also, also just a shout out of uh, very, you know, the, these cast parties. If anyone follows people like Leslie Jones on Twitter, the cast party was insane. They're hanging out with Bradley Cooper and Madonna. And there's a band where I think Lenny Kravitz is playing drums and, uh, you know, uh, Busta Rhymes is on stage. Dave Chappelle was singing Radiohead's Creep, which was so bizarre and fun. So, uh Boy, these cast parties are, uh, you know, are, are, you know, a world that we just don't live in. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. All right. Let's get into some of the questions from this week's show. Uh, Scott St. Pierre has uh, curated them ready to go. Ike Moore wants to know, were you surprised we didn't see Chris Rock in other sketches or was the focus more on Dave on Saturday night? Well, I think that Chris Rock clearly is a fan of this podcast and clearly understands Rich's rules of appropriate uh, cameos. It was perfect. He shows up. There was no no warning. There was no expectation he would be there. Was very funny. And then let Dave be the star of the show. We didn't need him to suddenly show up again to drink milk from That's Lizzie right. Jones's breast at the end. You did your thing. Huge laugh. Get out. Mwah. Perfect. Okay. Uh, Johnny De Silvera says, should I just prepare myself for the inevitable Garth and Kath next week when wig hosts? Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, so here's the thing talking for a second about next week. Uh, we'll talk about it now just to, you know, Kristen Wiig is back. I'm so excited. Hasn't been back in two years. Does she have the, the movie coming up now? Uh, she well, she's had a couple of movies, but she does have a new movie coming out. I can't remember which one. I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get to that. Um, so so, yeah, uh, so she's promoting something. And uh, I, you know, did not come back for Ghostbusters as we thought that she might. So she's doing it now. Um, I will say, you know, it's interesting that, you know, the question for me will be, we can, you know, we can all probably guess what we would expect maybe to see her do. But I wonder, will she be very cognizant of what characters from her tenure at SNL did she do when she returned two years ago? She did the Californians. She did the Lawrence Welk show. She did garth and cat she did the target lady so i would wonder is it going to be 
hey, every few years, Kristen Wiig is back and so are the Californians and so is the target lady. Or is she going to feel compelled to mix it up and say, but I just did those. Let's do different characters. Um, I will say Garth and Kat, I think it's inevitable. They don't have to write it. They can just improvise it. You know, Fred is in the building, depending on what's going on with uh, with, you know, late night. So I, I think buckle up. I think it's going to be a Garth and Cat night. And then do you think that uh, we're going to get anything Ghostbusters related? Um, I don't think that we'll see anything specifically, but I think I can easily see a monologue with Leslie Jones and uh, and um, Cecily. Uh, I'm sorry, Kate McKinnon and maybe even a Melissa McCarthy. I think that would be a great way to sort of kick the uh, kick the monologue off with a lot of energy, having the four of them stand there and talk a little bit and make some jokes. Maybe we'll see Bobby Moynihan dressed as Slimer, the you know, the green ghost or something. It's, uh, that would be fun. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris Berger wants to know, uh, will Taron Killam be hired back for his Trump impression? Uh, we actually did talk about this a little bit at the end of the show last week of what goes on. We said that if Trump was to win, we figured Alec Baldwin would finish out the season and then somebody would come back. Alec Baldwin will return to SNL as Trump, though, Rich, you feel? Uh, I think so. Yes. Now, I don't know anything. Um, I think it would you make know him some look things. like a real... I know some things uh, on this one. I would say, I don't know what he's going to do. I, you know, I would say for normal people, I would say uh, I, I, for the, for, I would normally say, um, uh, I'm sorry that, uh, that a, a, a person in that position would want to show up one more time. So it doesn't look like they're bitter or whatever. I think Alec Baldwin doesn't care if he looks bitter or jaded. So, but I think it would be, I think he loves the show too much. I think to not come back and do Trump one more time. Uh, and I think it would be next week, I think, or maybe in December, but I think it would be next week to do one Trump thing and then sort of retire it and go, okay. And as I think maybe we said next week, I, last week, I would suspect that during the Christmas break that uh, SNL, instead of looking to the existing cast to do a Trump impression, I don't know why they wouldn't go to an Anthony, uh, I can never say his last name, Adam, Adam, Adam Neck, uh, 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 um, UCB mm -hmm. guy who does a fantastic Trump impression. There are other uh, struggling comedians out there who do fantastic Trump impressions. You could just bring one on as a featured player just to do Trump. I think that would be the, the most likely sense. Any chance you think that we end up going back to Daryl Hammond's uh, Trump at some point? I don't think so. I think that the you look at the difference in the audience reaction between Baldwin and uh, and Daryl Hammond's, and it was so viscerally different that I think that they know that they can't go back. Backwards. And I actually, and I said this before, I think the Taron Killam impression got a, a bad rap. I think they pulled him early when I thought it was very promising. But I think the show has to move forward, even if it's just for optics. So well, what I, if I we have a Trump sketch and Alec Baldwin doesn't want to do it? Now, then what do we do? We can't go back to Daryl Hammond's at any cost? Well, that's why I think they have to. I mean, you have to have someone who can do the sitting president. So I think it would be irresponsible for the show not to just start looking. I mean, we don't have Obama right now. Yeah, that's true. But, no. you know, which is crazy. But I think that's a very different. We saw even when we had someone playing Obama that we went an entire season without an Obama based cold open, having less to do with the impression and more to do with what they were or were not able to do. Trump, you just you have to you have to have someone doing him. Will Obama host SNL down the stretch as part of his the finale of his term? Oh, my God. Just show up for a, a quickie, a quickie cameo. How great would that be? That would be great. It would be great. He was only on once, right? He was on as a candidate yeah. going into yeah. uh, like he was like wearing like a mask or something like the mask off. And it was. Yes, exactly. It was him. That's good. Yes. OK. Uh, and uh, Rachel wants to know, are the cast and writers really responsible for Trump hosting? Uh, that's going back to what we were talking about with the monologue. I, I think that, you know, someday yeah. when they update the oral history of SNL, I think that's going to be a very interesting chapter, how that all came to pass. Yeah, no. And I would say uh, I, I maybe I misspoke uh, or or I wasn't clear enough when I said it that uh, um, that no, the writers and the cast have nothing to do with who gets booked on the show. I mean, I think they might recommend people or they might suggest people. But no, I don't think that anyone that we're seeing on on camera has enough power to influence who gets cast, uh, who gets a uh, uh, put in host. And I even think were they to not be a fan of someone who gets asked to be the host, I don't think that anyone really uh, cares about their opinion. Okay. 
Rich, uh, good stuff. Uh, and I think Scott has a poster for, oh yeah, the new movie Masterminds uh, coming out. That already came out. That, are, oh, that came out. Okay, so we don't, yeah. we don't know what she's there to promote. She's just there to hang out. It's time. That's the bottom line. It's time. Is it's, time. it's time. Rich yes. has been calling for so, an alumni to host and uh, an alumni we I shall get. Now, Rich, and do- I, if anyone's listening, please don't do the Californians. I know you think it's funny. Nobody needs to see the Californians again. I will take Garth and Cat over the Californians. I don't mind it. I just please. like to see Rich get really upset about it. I'm begging. I'm begging. Please. What are you talking about, Rich? Oh. <laughs> Why don't you get out of here? Why don't you get on the 101 to the 5 to the 110? Watch out for the protest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Got it. I mean, that was basically it, Rod. You just did it. You, 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 you did it. That there's no difference. Well, how about this, Rich? Now. Okay. Let me, let me pitch you on to Californians for next week that there has been some talk here in California of a Cal exit, Rich, the Californians yeah. on the Cal exit. Something. Uh, yeah. It's something. Sure. It's yeah. something. It's a All premise. Right. Okay. <laughs> They actually had the, the the discipline to write something topical for the Californians. I would be uh, yes. very impressed. Ooh, why don't we just take the whole state and get on the 405 and just get out of here? Yeah. Yeah. There oh, please. All right. Please. Rich. So. But that said, I think we'll see a bunch of cameos next week. A lot of classic characters. So it uh, could be fun. All right. Well, fun stuff. That I know fun. that, uh, that w- it was definitely uh, a heavy podcast to talk about, you know, all of the political stuff going on uh, at the top of the show. But I mean, we're, uh, you know, that we're trying to just, uh, you know, do a podcast talking about a comedy show during a very polarizing time. It's not easy. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. And we're also trying to have opinions. Yes. Okay. So there we go. All right. Uh, great job, Rich Tackenberg. Great job, James Keyes. Thanks everybody who joined us to watch the show live. And uh, Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes. We'll be back next Sunday to talk about Kristen Wiig and the XX. The XX. The as XX. We're now told. Yes. It's all happening. All right. Uh, oh, Mark wants to know best episode of the season, Rich. Boy, that's a good one. I mean, you know, I, it, you know, these are high class problems. I would, it's still hard for me to say. Uh, Tom Hanks was great. Margot Robbie was great. Uh, I, you know, it's interesting how this will wash over me in a couple of days' time. Right now, I would say one of the best, maybe the best. I don't know, pretty close. But, you know, we, we needed a good comeback. Uh, last week was a little bit tougher. So it's, I, I feel like we're we're in much better shape again. Overall batting average of this season, tremendous. Great job, SNL. This is, this is turning out to be a really, really strong season. All right, great stuff. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye.